Muscle is calorically costly. It's costly to build and it's costly to maintain. So you are most likely going to have to have a higher calorie intake even after this building phase to maintain the muscle that you do put on. Hey guys, it's Corey from Redefining Strength. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast. So today I wanna talk about gaining lean muscle, becoming your strongest, fittest self at any and every age. The question is, where do you even get started? And that's what I wanna cover in this episode. So in this episode, you'll learn three mindset shifts you need to make, especially if you're transitioning from weight loss into gaining muscle, because it's a very different mindset we need to have when we're approaching our diet and workouts. Michelle's gonna share five incredibly important nutritional tips to help you dial in your diet to see those faster muscle gains. I then wanna share five muscle building foods and a delicious recipe, Ryan even enjoyed it too, uh, that you can make using those foods. Then I wanna talk about how fat age factors into the results that you see, as well as an important workout hack to see better results faster, especially if you are a more advanced trainee and you're really looking to create progression in your workouts. Before I jump into everything, I just wanna say a big thank you to everyone who has left a review. This helps me keep the episodes sponsorship free, so if you haven't, please go leave, of course, only good reviews on the podcast. So let's jump right in. I wanna talk about three mindset shifts that we need to have if we're going, especially from a weight loss phase into a muscle building phase. We have to recognize that what made us successful at one point in our life won't necessarily be what makes us successful for the next phase of our journey. And often if we cling to those habits, those mindsets, it can hold us back. Often what made us successful actually can become what makes us fail at the next goal. So I wanted to go over three mindset shifts that I know have been hard for me to make in the past and are hard often for clients to make because it kind of goes against what you've always done, especially if you have been looking to lose weight. So shift number one is we can't fear the scale going up and we have to even increase our calories at time as it does go up. So I know during our weight loss phase, if the scale is constantly increasing, you know you're doing something wrong. But when you're trying to gain muscle, the scale consistently increasing isn't necessarily a bad thing. If we want body recomp to happen and we're not yet at our like leanest goal or our leanest goal, we can potentially see changes happen while the scale doesn't increase. So it's not bad if you're not seeing the scale increase, but you're losing fat as you're gaining muscle because if you gain one pound of muscle and you lose one pound of fat, right, you're gonna stay the same. However, especially once you first transition from that fat loss or weight loss phase into that muscle building phase, because you're going out of a deficit and generally we're increasing carbs, we're going to see glycogen storage and water weight being stored and we're not, we're no longer going to be depleted. So just in of that happening, we're going to see an increase in the scale, which could happen overnight. So it could seem like just overnight transitioning into this new diet regime, you see an increase in the scale. It's because of that storage. Okay. You're going from being depleted to not being depleted. You can't be depleted if you want to gain muscle. So you have to embrace seeing the weight gain from that. And then as you're going through the process, the reason it's so key to take measurements is along the way, you might see that scale increase even as you're technically still losing body fat. You gain two pounds of muscle, you lose one pound of fat, you're gonna see that one pound increase. And as you're gaining more muscle, that muscle requires more calories to be maintained. So if you freak out at the scale increasing and then cut your calories lower, you could end up losing the muscle mass you've just worked so hard to gain. Because as you increase your muscle mass, your calorie intake needs to increase along with it. So instead of decreasing, like you might during a weight loss phase, when you see that scale increase, during a muscle gain phase, as you see the scale increase, and again, not increase out of control, but consistently slowly increase, you might have to increase your calories because you need to fuel and to retain that lean muscle mass. So it goes a little against the scale going up, we need to decrease attitude that we might have had. The second mindset shift that is often hard is we can't seek to be sore all the time. 
progression in our workouts is so key if you want to build muscle. If you're not challenging your muscles, they're not going to adapt and grow stronger. So you can't put yourself in autopilot. You can't go in cruise control, right? You have to push yourself during your training sessions, which can be grueling mentally and physically. So you have to understand when you need that deload week. However, pushing yourself to that point where you're pushing to failure, you're pushing as heavy a load as you can, you're pushing to max out those reps doesn't mean you're sore every time. And you really shouldn't be sore every time because you should be fueling correctly. You should be hydrating correctly. It's more likely that during a weight loss phase, you're going to be more sore because your recovery is going to be slightly impaired by that deficit and the fact that you're not getting enough of anything. But during a muscle gaining phase, you want your nutrition to be on point to have that readily available energy. Not to mention you need to create that clear progression. Often we get sore from doing new things or randomly stringing things together. When you create that progression, so you have your Monday through Sunday mapped out and you repeat that for three to four weeks, you should progressively get less sore as your body's adapting. But this also allows you to see clear progress in movements and compare how you're doing to make sure that you're fueling enough to make sure that you have ample recovery between workouts. Because what you want to happen is if you did 10 deadlifts with, you know, X weight, the next week you're either able to do 12 with that same weight, or you're able to go up in weight if 10 was the max you really wanted to hit to go down in reps even. So you want to be able to track that progression, but you can't seek to be sore, even though you're seeking to work to failure a lot of the times. We also have to remember that when we seek to be sore, it means we're not mixing up the drivers of muscle growth we're using. We might even be seeking to eliminate too much rest during our workouts. And we need to keep in that rest. So we're actually able to work at that hundred percent intensity each and every round that we go through. We don't want to turn our strength workouts into cardio. Okay. So make sure that you're rebuilding and you're recovering between sessions, that your nutrition is on point, but don't seek to be sore. Okay. Have that clear progression, pay attention to your recovery, use all three drivers of muscle growth, which means you're not only going for heavier loads, but using mechanical tension. So something like the hip thrusters over just the deadlift, or even some of those metabolic stress creating moves that are pumper based exercises, like the things that look silly, like clams and kickbacks and such. And then make sure you're also including a lot of prehab. The third mindset shift that I think is often hard is recognizing that results will happen slowly, especially the more advanced you are. So we hear all the time about newbie gains and it's because if you're deconditioned, any stimulus is going to be a new stimulus that's going to drive growth. But the more advanced you are, the more training experience you have under your belt, the more you've used all these different forms of progression all the time. And your body's like, Meh, we can handle that. All right. So you have to throw something new at it. You have to find different ways to create progression, which means that you can't only just rely on loads because as much as we want to keep lifting more, there will be a point where we're going to hit potentially our genetic potential, or we're just going to max out with how we can recruit muscles at that time. So we have to deload, but we can create progression. So when we have hit that max ceiling with the weight we can lift by changing the rep ranges, the rest that we have in there, the tempos that we're using, even the type of movement down to the exact postures we're using. As silly as it might sound, uh, using a single leg deadlift by using a cable machine versus a kettlebell versus a dumbbell versus unilaterally versus bilaterally loaded versus one foot touching down on a slider versus one foot back on a bench versus a full single leg. There's so many different ways, even holding on. All these are slightly different ways of challenging your body. Some aren't going to be heavier loads. Some might be a way lighter loads than you even used before, but that progression through instability, through the changes in posture and positions is going to be very valuable to drive that muscle growth. So you've got to seek to be creative and embrace some of these other techniques where I know a lot of times, especially the more advanced we are when we're going for muscle, we really do get into heavier loads, especially if you enjoy lifting and you don't want to do some of the moves that make you feel awkward, but it's really key that you do. Even doing things like seated abduction versus 
versus a bridge hold with abduction versus, you know, using a cable for a single leg lateral raise. All these different things come into play when we're creating that progression and that training stimulus. Not to mention, we have to recognize how important our nutrition is. Yes, if you do not create a, a challenge for your muscles so that they have to adapt and grow stronger, then they're not going to. But at the same time, you have to fuel for that muscle growth. So often I hear, you know, my clients say, oh, I can't build muscle. Okay, well, you're not eating enough. As weird as that sounds, and as much as you might feel full even with what you're eating, you're not eating enough to promote that muscle growth because muscle is metabolically costly. You add more muscle, you need to take in more calories to support that lean muscle. You need to take in more calories to support that growth, to have enough fuel to even push a little bit harder, to boost your 100% intensity. So know how important your fueling really is and make sure that you're getting enough carbs, especially around your workout, that you're taking in sufficient protein, that you're even retraining your body to eat more, especially if you have been in a deficit prior, okay? And then make sure you have those clear progressions. If you've been training a long time and you're stringing things together randomly, you might not be getting sore because you've done so many different things, but you're also not able to track progress. If you do pull-ups on a Monday and then pull-ups on a Thursday, you might find on Thursday that you feel like you went backwards. Well, maybe you didn't go backwards. You just did a lot of back exercises that fatigued your back for Thursday, which isn't a bad thing. You could design a progression to have that, but you can't track how you're actually doing to be able to progress loads, progress variations of the movement if you're not following a set pattern week to week to really see what's going on. So as hard as it is, to let go of what made us successful to reach one goal, we have to recognize there's going to be a mindset shift, especially from being in a deficit and losing weight, losing fat, to going to gaining muscle. Hope these tips help to help you shift that mindset to embrace some of the changes you're gonna need to see those muscle gains. I'm so excited for the tips Michelle has to share with us today about gaining muscle, because not only do our macros matter, our micros really matter if we wanna see the best results as fast as possible. So let's jump right in. All right, so let's talk about building muscle, those strength gains. How can we see the best results by dialing in our nutrition? Michelle, I'm so glad you're gonna be sharing some tips so that we can really make sure our nutrition is on point to fuel those results. So first tip to build muscle. Um, this may not come as a surprise, but there's actually been a little bit of controversy lately on this subject is calories. And research has still shown that a surplus of calories is actually going to be beneficial more for muscle growth than a calorie deficit or even a maintenance phase with calories. Yes, you can still see that muscle growth occurring, but as far as what's you know good, better, best, that surplus is actually going to get you to your goal faster. And when we want those specific goals, we want a specific result, it's always best to do what works best and most efficiently, right? And that being said, with the calorie surplus, this is not an excuse to go just like binge eat everything inside and let your cheat days get out of control. There still is a limit where you're not going to necessarily use a ton of extra calories. How much do you generally recommend that we put ourselves into that surplus to see optimal results? Usually about 200 calories is adequate enough um, and slow enough that you're seeing muscle gain and muscle strength occur and not just that fat gain happen. So that's really where typically where that sweet spot really is for making sure that you're gaining pure muscle and not fat. And then of course we love macros. So how can we adjust our macros to really help make sure that we're getting the best benefits out of that surplus? Yeah. So this is another thing. Um, all we're always going to focus on protein a little bit, but the area that a lot of people kind of overshadow is going to be carbohydrates. You do often want to have a little bit of a bump when it comes to your carb intake, when you're in a muscle building phase. And there's a lot of reasons, but one of them is being that carbs are going to one fuel your, your muscles. So when you're pushing them through, because usually at this phase, you're lifting heavier, 
typically going for more of that, those PRs in the gym, you want to make sure that your muscles are adequately fueled and prepped to be able to push hard when it comes to those workouts. So that's going to be one of the reasons. And then another reason is carbs do actually make sure that you, they are a little bit protein, um, sparing, sorry, blank, blanked for a second there, but the carbs are also can also be protein sparing. So oftentimes when we are trying to push our body and have body recomp occur, if it's not getting, if your body's not getting enough glycogen from the muscle itself, it's going to start to turn to other areas to start to break down. So it gets the energy that it needs. And one of those oftentimes is going to be, uh, your lean muscle mass. I think that's such a key point too, especially if you do want to do more cardio as you're trying to build muscle, like the more endurance steady state cardio training you're doing, the more you need that instant fuel because you don't want to catabolize your lean muscle mass. You don't want to sort of fight against your gains. So it's like, okay, the more active you are, the more carbs might be essential. Not to mention, I think a lot of times we're like, well, I'm pushing hard in the gym already. I'm working at a hundred percent. Okay. But is your a hundred percent a true 100%. And by having that readily available fuel, we're just making sure we're actually able to truly challenge ourselves to see the best results. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think you really hit the nail on the head because you can fill 100% at different macro ratios. There is a difference from one macro ratio to another. And you may be giving 100% at one, but it may be completely different when you change those macro ratios up. So that's something just to kind of be aware of as you are changing, if you're someone that does macro cycling. And I know it can be hard to sometimes embrace eating more carbs because we will see a change on the scale when we first do increase from water weight and glycogen storage, but it's super key that we don't have that carb phobia. And remember that what we use to reach one goal. So like weight loss might not be what we do to achieve another goal. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're increasing our carbs. We're focusing on that calorie surplus. What else do we need to do? So of course, we're going to talk about protein. You do need to make sure that you're having higher quality protein intake and slightly higher protein intake. And this is really because when you're in the gym, we are tearing those muscle fibers. We are hoping to rebuild and repair, and that's going to take more amino acids. So you're looking for making, you're looking to make sure that you're taking in complete protein sources. So oftentimes this is going to be your red meat, your poultry, your fish, eggs, dairy. And if you're more plant-based, because you can still do this, if you're someone that follows a more plant-based diet, that's going to be items that are going to have quinoa, soy, tempeh, tofu, those, those type of products to kind of help you get that muscle growth occurring as well. And as you mentioned, that surplus is so key because while we can achieve amazing body recomposition while in a deficit, especially if we do have more weight to lose, you can put on muscle while you're in that deficit. We have to recognize that, especially the leaner we are, the more we need that surplus to have that fuel, to have enough amino acids to actually repair and rebuild. Because if you're in that deficit, you're not necessarily getting your muscles what they need to grow stronger because as they grow stronger, you then need even more calories. Yeah. And, and that's, that's one of the things is a lot of people forget oftentimes that when they're trying to grow, uh, muscle is calorically costly. It's costly to build and it's costly to maintain. So you are most likely going to have to have a higher calorie intake, even after this building phase to maintain the muscle that you do put on. And so we're focusing on those carbs, we're focusing on the protein, we're increasing our calorie surplus, but it's not just about our macros and our calories that we need to worry about. We also want to pay attention to the micros, how we're actually making our system run optimally. What are some key micronutrients that we might need to focus on? 
So the first big one is going to be vitamin D. And a lot of people don't think vitamin D when it comes to muscle growth, but there's actually a lot of research specifically in in 50-year-old females that have a correlation between vitamin D levels and the muscle growth. And there it's it's just one of the things that research is really starting to emerge even more on is this link between our vitamin D levels and our body to be able to actually produce muscles. And this is something that's really important if you've ever thought like, I'm working really hard. Okay, I'm in my calorie surplus. I'm hitting my macros. I'm training really hard. I'm doing all the right things. Why am I not seeing results? It's time we start to dive into a little bit of the opportunity in some of those details. And so if you are finding that as you're getting older, as you're going through menopause, you're struggling, focusing on that vitamin D might be key. What other micronutrients too? So B vitamins are going to be another big one. And kind of with both vitamin D and vitamin B, your body naturally stops or starts to decline in its ability to absorb these two. So making sure that you are either supplementing or making sure your diet is rich in both vitamin D and B vitamins is really key. So uh, you're going to be looking, vitamin Bs um, are going to be in quite a bit of protein sources, but also they're in a lot of grain sources as well. So really making sure that you're kind of focusing on those meals that have a high quality protein and also a high quality carb is going to really be hitting both. That's what I like about macros too. When you do really focus on your macros and getting that diversity in how you're hitting them, you do often hit your micros and get a diversity of those different nutrients you need. Plus you hit on something that's so important. We can't blame age, but we do have to recognize that age might mean that what's the minimum that's good for us actually increases because we need to get sufficient amounts to really stimulate the growth in the way that we want. Yes, absolutely. You got to, you can't eat the same way you did when you were in your 20s. And it's purely just because you're not absorbing the, in the same rate that you once were. And in terms of other vitamins, I know there's one other big one that we need that, you know, gets a lot of love for other reasons, but maybe not for muscle growth. Yeah, and it's going to be vitamin C. So we talk about, I know everyone knows vitamin C helps, you know, they all want to take it when they have a cold and they want to take it for these other reasons, but it does actually help when it comes to your muscle growth. And this has a lot to do with when we work out, we are naturally putting stress on our body and and it's a good stress, but it is causing stress. So you are having some cortisol levels that are going to increase vitamin C. It has been shown to actually blunt this muscle wasting effect that cortisol can have. So it's just a, a way to kind of one, make sure that you are recovering faster. So you're, you know, that delayed onset muscle soreness is going to go, get lower if you're taking adequate amounts of vitamin C and it's going to make it so you're not having that bad effect of your muscle wasting occur from the cortisol levels uh, rising. We so often forget that exercise really is a stressor and it's a good one, but too much of even a good thing can be a bad thing. And so the more we can do while we are trying to push hard in the gym to negate any negative impact of the hormones that do change naturally with training longer, training harder, it'll be really good for us. And not so demonizing cortisol that, because you know, it is a naturally occurring thing in the body. I know it's gotten a lot of uh, debate and popularity recently as a bad thing, but we do want to do what we can from a nutritional standpoint to help ourselves heal and fuel. Yeah, this isn't this isn't demonizing any hormone, just like we don't demonize food. Cortisol has its place, but we do want to make sure that we are encouraging our body to be able to grow um, and build and repair the muscle as much as possible. And the last thing you had brought up when we were talking about gaining muscle, and we talk about this thing a lot for weight loss, was 
alcohol. How can this really impact our muscle gains? So alcohol really does decrease the muscle protein synthesis by interfering with the glycogen replenishments. And it also makes it so your body is slower to rehydrate. So there's a lot of things that, that kind of happen when we are overindulging in alcohol. So it, it really is best if you are someone that is trying to do a muscle building phase is to oftentimes decrease your alcohol intake because usually it's not benefiting you in any way. And I know I love my cocktails, but I also know that the training session after having those cocktails is not generally so good. So I do try and put a recovery day or something that's, you know, a low day or cardio workout maybe on the day after or even the day before so that I'm not impacting any of the training sessions and getting the full benefit. But, you know, we do what we can, right, to find that balance. Yeah, absolutely. Find the balance. And if you do find yourself overindulging, just making sure that the next day your nutrition is on point and so is your hydration. It's key we always know the cost and reward of anything that we choose to include so that we know how it will impact us so that we're doing a lot of the right things but not sabotaging ourselves with one or two of the wrong things that can really add up. Exactly, yes. Awesome. So we're going to be dialing in our macros. We're going to be focusing on carbs, quality protein, increasing our calories to get that uh, surplus, and focusing on those micronutrients while being respectful of our alcohol intake to see the best muscle gains. Yes. Thank you so much, Michelle. Those were so many helpful tips so that we can really see great strength gains and muscle gains from our training the gym. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to share one of my favorite protein packed recipes from my protein power cookbook. With this recipe, I wanted to go over why I think this is so important to include during a muscle building phase because of the ingredients in it. So the first ingredient that I wanted to touch on for its muscle building importance is buckwheat flour. So it will bump your arginine intake and arginine turns on one of the most important pathways for building new muscle tissue. The second ingredient in this recipe that's super key is coconut oil. And I know a lot of times we often fear fats, but they're very important if we do want to make sure that we're fueling correctly, maintain that hormonal balance to build muscle. But coconut oil can be a great oil to cook with as it may help improve testosterone levels and it can aid in better muscle gains. The third ingredient, and this is a bonus I like to add to this specific recipe, is eggs. Uh, the yolk contains fats, including the omega-3 fatty acid, DHA, which can improve muscle protein synthesis, especially as we get older. Eggs are also a great source of vitamins and minerals, uh, including vitamin A, E, K, and a range of B vitamins, as well as calcium, zinc, and iron, and these will help with muscle recovery and muscle growth. The third ingredient from this recipe that is really key for muscle building is bell peppers. They're a great source of vitamin C, uh, which has been shown to blunt the muscle wasting effects of cortisol. So they're a great way to get in micros and also help with muscle growth. Then comes beef. I know red meat is so often demonized, but especially for those muscle gains, it has extra value in that it has creatine and it's a complete protein source. It helps you build and repair your lean muscle tissue, especially after a hard workout, and it's high in B vitamin B6 and B12. And again, it's that natural source of creatine because as much as you can get things through supplements, the more we can get it from whole natural foods, the better. So I do like to include red meat, especially during a muscle building phase. The final ingredient I like to pair this steak recipe with is brown rice, and it's because brown rice contains vitamins B6 and B12, which have a direct role in protein metabolism. It's also a great carb source just to make sure that you're fueled from your workouts, so I like to make sure that I'm getting this meal in even post-workout. So I want to dive into the recipe for the pepper steak that I love. It does make four servings, and it's pretty quick to prep. For a list of instructions, calories, and macros, see the description below. Now let's jump into how to prep this recipe. 
So you're gonna slice the beef into thin slices and then you're gonna place it in a bowl and add four teaspoons of soy sauce, one tablespoon of rice wine, and one teaspoon of buckwheat flour, and then season with the freshly ground black pepper. In a small bowl, mix three tablespoons of soy sauce, one tablespoon of water, and two teaspoons of the buckwheat flour, and then set that aside to use later. Heat one teaspoon of the oil in a pan on high heat. Add the beef and cook for around 20 seconds, letting the beef brown. Next, stir the meat, cooking another two minutes, and transfer onto a plate. Add the remaining one teaspoon of oil to the pan and then add the peppers and onions and cook for about four to five minutes. Place the beef back into the pan, add the prepared sauce and red pepper flakes, although I do even like to put those on at the end for a nice little fancy touch. Stir fry for about 30 to 60 seconds on medium heat until slightly thickened. I then serve it with the brown rice and the fried egg, which aren't included in the original nutrition information. You'd have to add those on, but you can even pick the portion that you need to make sure that you're hitting your macros. You can store the steak in the fridge for up to four days. I often even eat two servings at a time because I'm trying to create more of that calorie surplus and butt my calorie intake. I love to hear if you guys tried this out and if you wanna try the recipe and get the cookbook, I'll put a link in the video description and show notes so you can check it out. How does age factor into building muscle? Does it become harder to building muscle as we get older? The simple answer is yes. But now if you're thinking, yeah, I have an excuse why it's hard, now I can just slack off, uh-uh. That's not the case, okay? Just because something becomes harder with a specific situation doesn't mean it's impossible. You can still build muscle at any and every age. I'm gonna repeat that. You can still build muscle at any and every age. You are never too old to build muscle, so there are no excuses. But just like nothing works forever, you always wanna meet your body where it's at and you wanna address the concerns you now have. So as we get older, because there are changes that our body goes through, we wanna make sure that we're addressing these changes with our diet and workout to get the best results as fast as possible. And I wanna give you some tips to help because we do become less able to recover as quickly. We do utilize protein less efficiently, but there are changes we can make to our diet and workouts to see better results faster. So the tips to help. One, focus on those heavy compound lifts. These are those big movements that work multiple joints, large muscle groups all at once. These are very functional movements that help us build full body strength. They're gonna help us burn more calories in our workouts. They're gonna help us really build that lean muscle. So think starting your workouts with bench press, squats, deadlifts, pull-ups, push-ups, lat pulls down, back rows, all these big compound movements, make the bulk of your workout these movements and challenge yourself with weight with them. Do not be afraid to try and max out at three, four or five reps. You don't wanna be only working in that 10, 15, 20 rep range. While that rep range has value, even as we get older, we need to lift those heavy loads. And of course, it's always relative. You need to meet yourself where you're at, but don't fear working down in reps and really maxing out around five even. But you need to include those big movements, okay? And potentially cut back a little bit on that cardio. Number two, do not avoid plyometrics. Do not avoid those explosive power movements. I know we can demonize jumping, and of course, if we have injuries where we can't start back with jumping, we might have to find other ways to be explosive, but we need to work those fast switch muscle fibers, that ability to react quickly, because that ability to react is that mind-body connection. The more efficiently we can recruit muscles, not only can we lift more, can we gain more muscle then, but we can avoid falls and fractures and some of the things that happen with age as our reaction time slows. The gym is a perfect way to train that mind-body connection, that recruitment pattern to be as quick as possible. So don't avoid jumping movements, don't avoid power movements, include things like the agility ladder, even though they make you feel silly, they might test your coordination. Try coordination moves that make you work your left and right in specific ways and don't just rush through. Use slam ball movements, do those burpees, do movements that challenge you to move quickly and be controlled. 
Then number three, be extra diligent about your rehab and activation work. Our recovery does slow. Okay. We're not recovering as quickly. So we need to make sure that we're including that prehab work. We also need to make sure that we're including that activation work because it makes sure that we have the proper recruitment patterns to utilize muscles as efficiently as possible by including the proper prehab. Not only do we get more out of our training sessions, but we help ourselves recover quicker for the next one. So just because you got away with not doing that prehab work in the past doesn't mean you should have, and it doesn't mean you want to in the future. And it means that right now you have an opportunity to start adding it in. Number four, increase your protein portions, especially post-workout to at least 40 grams and don't fear carbs. You are less able to utilize protein as efficiently, which means you simply need more of it as I'm about to knock my computer off. <laughs> you simply need more of it. So don't be afraid to increase your portion of protein at each and every meal, especially post-workout when your body is primed to really use it. The more you give it, the more you're going to have readily available to make sure that you have enough to rebuild. Same goes for carbs. Carbs are not only muscle sparing, but they help make sure that we have plenty of energy to fuel our training sessions so that we are recovering faster. They help us rebuild. They create that anabolic environment. They're going to aid in better recovery. Okay. So that we can train hard each and every session. Number five, push yourself to maintain that calorie surplus and avoid fasted training. I love intermittent fasting. Okay. But if we're already in this place where it's going to be harder to build and retain lean muscle, we don't want to do anything that's going to fight against those gains. And no matter the age of my client, I'm already telling them with muscle gaining, even if you loved intermittent fasting for losing fat, you might have to sort of say bye-bye to it for a little bit until you're in a maintenance phase again, if that's really a mealtime you love, because you want to make sure that you have adequate fuel and that you're not depleted at all when you go into your training, that your muscles have what they need after your training to repair and rebuild. So if you are getting older, if you're struggling a little bit to put on the muscle mass, don't train fasted. Okay. And also make sure that you are going into that calorie surplus. I know it can be hard to eat more. A lot of times I have people comment on be like, I can't eat that much. Yeah, you've trained your body not to eat that much. It's not a bad thing, but you have, and you gotta do something different if you wanna do a better result. So you might have to try and find ways to make more calorie-dense smoothies, sneak in more calories through more calorie-dense foods. Maybe it is taking a protein bar, a protein shake with some nut butters or whatever else, you know, even again, those calories around your training sessions and whatnot. But find ways to slowly increase your calories, even if it's 100 calories at a time, because you gotta create that surplus to fuel that lean muscle growth and maintain the lean muscle mass. Number six, don't fear supplements like BCAAs, creatine, and protein powder. All these are going to prime your body to better be able to build muscle, especially if you aren't eating red meat. Creatine is incredibly important. Uh, as you go through menopause, ladies, all three of these things can help you recover. Like BCAAs will help with that fatigue, help with that energy for your training session, help you recover. Protein powder, again, is going to make sure that you're getting sufficient amounts to build and retain lean muscle. And I know there's this whole trend towards less protein, but as we get older, we need more. Okay. And as we're training hard, we need more. If we want to build muscle, we need more. So don't fear those supplements, especially if you are struggling to eat more. Okay. They can really help you make sure that you're not fatiguing, that you are recovering faster and that you are really focused on getting your body, everything it needs to create that anabolic environment. The final tip and number seven is focus on healthy fats and omega threes. There is often a push towards focusing on carbs and protein. And I think those two macros, if you're going to try and simplify things are very key when you're building lean muscle, but you can't ignore the importance of healthy fats because you want to maintain that hormonal balance. You even want to help protect against inflammation. So when you're getting those healthy fats, you're getting those omega threes, they're going to help keep your tissues healthy, reduce inflammation and help with recovery because the better we recover, the better we're going to see adaptations from our hard training sessions. So the better those hard training sessions are going to pay off and the better able we are going to be to train 100% intensity for the next session. Hope these seven tips help you really embrace that you can gain muscle at any and every age. So don't use your age as an excuse. You can build muscle. I wanted to share a great workout hack or an advanced training technique to help you see better muscle gains. 
we have to remember that the more advanced a trainee we are, actually the slower our muscle gains are gonna happen because we are adapted to more of a stimulus. When we're a newbie lifter, it's a lot easier to see those newbie gains because everything is a new stimulus to us. So as much as we think, oh, well, I'm you know, experienced with this, it'll help me get results faster, often it actually is the exact opposite and the more advanced we are, the more we have adapted to all the different types of progression and stimulus out there. So we have to go into some more advanced training techniques. So if you are listening to this episode, make sure to check out the YouTube video with some demos of what I'm gonna talk about in terms of this amazing workout hack to see better results. So the advanced training technique, forced reps. What this means is that you are basically trying to hit that failure point or even go past that point of failure. So how can you do this? Because if you failed, you failed, right? If you can't do anymore, you can't do anymore. Well, A, we have to be very careful with failure. We want to train to the point of exhaustion, but this doesn't mean getting out of breath exhausted, cutting out all rest exhausted. It means we can't lift anymore. However, we also have to be conscious of form and recruitment patterns, right? Because we don't want to get injured. So how can you push that point of hitting that failure without risking injury, with using the correct uh, muscles or having that mind-body connection really be there, and also making sure that you're not just like trying to do more for the sake of doing more. And that's where force reps come into play. And I wanted to talk about some ways to create those force reps. So number one, you can use rest pause technique or cluster sets. And basically what this is, is it's a technique where you use a little rest to do more reps than you actually could with something. So with rest pause, let's just say you have a weight you could do for 10 reps of deadlift or 12 reps of deadlift. So you do those reps, right? You go one, two, okay, so you do the deadlifts, right? Then you put the weight down and a weight that you would have basically been like, I'm done at maybe 12, you stop at 10 with, okay? And then you rest for 15 to 30 seconds and then you come back up to it and then maybe you do seven reps, okay? And then you go back and you rest for seven seconds. And I like the 10, seven, three, one, where you come up, then you do three reps, rest for three seconds, then you do one rep, and then you rest for like 90 seconds to two minutes or even a little bit longer. But basically what you just did there is a weight that you could have done for that 10 to 12 reps, you did 21 with. Because the rest was so short, you didn't fully allow, allow your body to recover, and therefore it helped you sort of create that extra strength, and you're pushing out reps past failure. There's force reps to it, okay? Same thing can sort of be said for a cluster set where maybe you wanna do six reps of pull-ups, but you do it in sets of two with the 15 to 30 seconds. You wanna have that rep that you're sort of shooting for in the end, but you're using those very short intervals of rest to allow you to do a heavier weight, a more advanced variation of a movement, but getting out the volume still, okay? So that's pushing past failure, so to speak, even though you're not quite hitting failure at any set point because you're using that rest to keep your intensity up. Uh, another way to do it is drop sets. So if I were to do you know, a floor press even with this weight, and I even have potentially another weight that I would have by my side, but I would do all the reps that I could with floor press with this weight, right? And then I would drop this weight to the side and then pick up a different weight and go with a lighter weight. But I would do reps past what I could actually do by modifying the movement. Same thing can be done with actually push-ups. And I love doing this, especially if someone's trying to build up their strength and derps with push-ups, where they'll do you know all the reps they can off the ground, and then immediately after, they'll modify to the next incline, okay? And then potentially even modify up from there after they fail to hit the set number. But you're modifying or dropping down in weight to even potentially do more reps at the modified variation, but pushing to fatigue. A great way to do this is even do like, say, eight reps with a heavy weight, then 12 reps with a lighter weight, and then 15 reps right after that with even lighter weight. I love that drop set design. 
Another way to force out reps past failure is using assistance, okay? So this can be a modification. It could be adding a band to your pull-ups afterwards, but you're somehow assisting yourself in doing extra reps, maybe a spotter, but you're assisting yourself in doing extra reps at the point where you would have failed with the more advanced technique. The final one I like is actually even using a single phase of a lift, okay? So what that can be is just using the eccentric in some cases. So if you can't fully yet do a push-up from your toes, maybe you only do just the eccentric or the lower down, and then you sort of reset at the top, okay? And that could be a way, even after you have, say, done your five push-ups from your toes, instead of modifying off an incline, you stay from your toes, but you only use that portion of the lift. Or in the deadlift, I won't demo this because I don't want to drop the weight, but you only even do the concentric part, so you just stand up, and then instead of lowering it down through the eccentric, you actually put the weight down. While we might be stronger in the eccentric portion, it also creates more muscle tissue damage and often more soreness. So we might find that to get some extra reps out with moves like the deadlift that have that stretch on the hamstring, which can create that soreness, we don't do the slow lower down. We actually drop the weight at the top. Be careful when you're doing that, making sure that your gym is okay with you dropping the loads as well. But using just a portion of a movement can help us really push out reps that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So remember, if you are an advanced trainee and you are looking to create that stimulus to really create that progression and muscle growth, you might want to consider different ways of doing force reps from rest pause technique and cluster sets to the drop sets to using assistance when you hit that point of failure or even to doing just a single phase of a lift like just the eccentric portion of the push-up or the lower down or even the concentric portion of a deadlift where you lift the weight up but you don't necessarily create more muscle tissue damage and soreness with the lower down. Although I will also put this one caveat in, spending some more time under tension, especially in that eccentric portion, does also prove some great results, just so you can even use potentially tempos, but that would be a whole nother topic, not on force reps. But hopefully that helps, especially if you have been training intensely for a while and you're looking to really push those muscle gains. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of the Fitness Hacks podcast. You can gain muscle at any and every age. Yes, is it gonna take some mindset shifts? 100%, but using these nutritional tips and the workout tips, you can build muscle no matter where you're at right now. 